Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. To say that marriage is hard is an understatement. And as divorce is on the rise in our culture, it's easy to lose sight of God's original intent and design. God created this relationship and has given us tools to ensure that it not only survives, but thrives. And through His help and guidance from His Word, we can work to eliminate the issues that are threatening our relationships and to move our marriages to a place of real and lasting health. All right, well, good evening, church. Y'all still there? Come on, come on. All right. <laughs> you ready? No. Uh, well, we are beginning tonight a series on marriage, and that's just kind of inevitable. You've seen it. We've posted it on social media. It's right there on the screens. And when we do a marriage series, there's always like this weird reaction. There are single people that think, all right, four weeks, vacation, I'll see you in a month. I don't want to hear it. There's married people that say, all right, four weeks vacation, I'll see you in a month, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Told you. Like, like, I know how it goes, and like, it's always tricky because I know that like, this is just one of those subjects that, that resonates different with different people, and, and, and I just want you to know that like, um, lean in during this series, no matter what stage of life that you're in, and in no way is our goal in any way to, to deepen past pain or to dig up old wounds or anything like that because we just believe that, that, that marriage in our culture is, is hanging on by a thread. And marriage is hanging on by a thread. I mean, like literally, hang, there, there are a lot of marriages, even marriages that are represented in this room, and you're hanging on by a thread. Like you're one more thing away from just being done and walking away. But I would just submit to you, not only are there, there marriages in this place and all over our community and our country and our world that are hanging on by a thread, but the very concept of marriage itself is hanging on by a thread. That, that people are so scorned and hurt and bitter or either they've watched bad marriage after bad marriage and there's so many people that like you've never seen a good marriage up close. So how do you even know how to have one? And so, so many people and more and more people are even opting just to say, nope. Because I'm not going to end up like my mom and dad. I'm not going to end up like my grandparents. Like, I, it just doesn't work. And over the last several years, as I've pastored this church, the most heartbreaking thing has just been to sit across from people that I know at one point y'all liked each other a little bit. There was a day that y'all stood before family and friends and with the minister and face to face, and it was probably in a barn. Because that's where everybody gets married now. We ain't raised in them, but we get married in them all the time. I can't tell you last time I did it. I've done weddings in living rooms, in backyards, and in barns. I don't do them in churches anymore. It's okay. But those same people that stood across from each other and were ready to go to Cancun for a week for the honeymoon and looked at each other with, I think, genuine love, sit across from each other, sometimes even as little as a few months or a year later or five years later or 10 years later or times even like 30 years later and they can't stand the sight of each other. And I'm always like, how, how, did, how did we get here? But I don't think marriage is something that we can give up on because I think God created it 
And it is a beautiful thing. And when it's done his way, and when, and when we have marriage the way God designed it to be, it's much more fruitful than it is frustrating. It's much more beautiful than it is dark. And that, that this is this unique, special human relationship designed and ordained by God. When we, when we do it his way, it is strong and it is powerful. And, and, and the married couple is, is, is a force that this world doesn't want to reckon with. <laughs> that it is a beautiful, powerful thing. But I'm also deeply convinced the only way for it to be that, the only way for it to be all that God desires it to be, is God has to be all in it. That really the only chance we have of bringing marriage back from the brink of disaster is to make a new commitment to doing it God's way. And those of us who claim to follow Jesus, like unless our marriages are Christ-centered, Christ-ordained, like Christ-driven, like unless Jesus is really the center of our marriages, we don't have a shot. And so those of us who are followers of Jesus, like, like we, you do understand, if we follow Jesus, we have a responsibility to do everything the way Jesus would want us to do it. Like, if, if, if we say, like, I follow Jesus, I'm a Jesus follower, I'm a disciple of Christ, I'm a Christian, like, however you, like, like our goal should be to align ourselves with all that Jesus desires. Come on. Especially in marriage. And Jesus would say this in John chapter 14. And I know we love where Jesus says, you know, they will know that you love me by the way that you love each other and all that kind of stuff. But look at this verse. John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching and my father will love them and he will come to them and make our home with them. You see that? But anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. But Jesus says, anybody who loves me will obey my teaching. Like, in other words, like, like if we're going to say that we love Jesus, then we have to follow what Jesus taught on any and every subject. Amen, somebody. So that begs the question, well, what did Jesus teach about marriage? What did Jesus have to say about the marriage relationship. Now, there's some that, that, that believe that, that Jesus didn't say a whole lot and that maybe God didn't speak plainly about this subject. And I hear that a lot, that, that God has not spoken plainly about that. And I find we most often invoke God has not said plainly when we don't like what he has plainly said. That most often we say, oh, God has not spoken plainly on that when we don't like what... God has plainly said. But if we're going to ha have marriages that make it, marriages that don't just hang up on by a thread, don't just survive but thrive, if we're going to say we follow Jesus, then we have to follow Jesus in every arena of our lives. And if we are going to call ourselves followers of Jesus, then we have to pursue marriage the way Jesus would desire, Right? So then if we follow Jesus, then our marriages have to be Jesus-defined, Jesus-driven, and Jesus-dependent. Jesus-defined, Jesus-driven, and Jesus-dependent. And what I hope to do this, throughout this evening is kind of unpack those three concepts.
So you ready? Let's dive into the word. If we're going to have a Christ-centered marriage, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to allow Jesus to define what marriage is. And in Matthew 19, I think he does that pretty clearly. That in Matthew 19, Jesus reveals his desire for marriage. Matthew 19, verse 1. says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. And some Pharisees came to, te- came to him to test him. And they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Verse 4. Haven't you read, Jesus replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. And I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and a wife, it is better not to marry. And Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others, and there are those who live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. Now, Jesus just said a whole lot. And I deeply believe that what Jesus just articulated was his design and desire for sex and marriage. That in answering a question about divorce, Jesus reveals his heart for marriage and sex because Jesus could not separate those things. That for you to, for them to understand his position on divorce, he had to first clarify his position on sex and marriage because to understand any position from Jesus on divorce, he would have to, they would have to deeply understand his position on those other two things because those other two things are very deeply connected to one another. And Jesus is clarifying his position in a very powerful and to me in a very clear way. And, you know, there's multiple ways to point out what's right and what's wrong, to point out what's truthful and what's not. You can point out all the things that are wrong, revealing the thing that is right, or you can point to the thing that is right, revealing the things that are wrong. Like, I could bring up five women on this stage, one of them being my wife, and to show you which one was my wife, I could pull, point out the four that aren't to reveal the one that is, or I could just point to the one that is, therefore revealing the four that aren't. And I think what Jesus is doing is he's pointing to the one way God designed and desires marriage. Now I'm about to give what I believe is Jesus' position on these issues. Therefore, my position on these issues. And I'm deeply aware 
that there are people in the room that will disagree. Possibly even be offended. The reason why I know that is because I've been having these conversations in private for a really long time now. And God has just basically told me that I can't continue to have these conversations in private and not have it in public. That I have a responsibility and a duty as the pastor of this church and a minister of his word to declare his truth no matter how unpopular it might make me. And I learned a long time ago that obedience is so much better than popularity. But I also understand that, that, I understand the world that we live in. And over the last several months, I've had people come to me for this conversation because of the culture that we live in. And I've sat across from people and had this conversation sometimes for hours and hours at the time. And he, believe it or not, I've sat across from people that deeply disagree with me. And we have disagreed with respect. And we have actually agreed to disagree at times. And even though they stand in a very different position than I do, I still consider them friends and people that I deeply care about. And that when you actually look people in the eye and with grace have a conversation about what you believe God's word really says, that you can do it in a way that dignifies both people and actually allows you to, yeah, maybe not land in the same position, to walk away still, though, with a deep love and respect for one another. And I believe that can happen face to face. I don't think it happens on Facebook. And I want you to know that if you disagree with what I'm about to say, I love you. And your disagreement does not change that. And I want you to be here. And your disagreement does not change that either. But I also understand there will be some people this weekend that will so disagree with what I'm about to say that they feel like they can no longer sit in this room. And that's okay. But if that's the decision that you make, Know that you make that decision, that if you choose not to be here after I say what I have to say, it's not because I don't want you here or you're not welcome here, because any and everybody will always be welcome in this place. Okay. I think what Jesus has just clearly said, because you notice what he does is, he says, hey, is it okay for just any and everybody just to divorce for whatever reason or whatever? And Jesus says, hey, well, well, let's go back. Before we move forward with that question, let's go back. And what Jesus goes, does is he goes back to the beginning. He goes back to the original design, to the way the world was, was when God created it. Because the way the world was when God created it was very important. And it showed God's original heart for humanity. In the original design, God reveals his desire. And there's intention in that design from start to finish. And what Jesus says, hey, remember in the beginning, God made us male and female. And he quotes Genesis 1 and he quotes Genesis 2. He said he made us male and female. And there came a point when a man would leave his home and his mother and he would be with his wife. And the two will be united in one flesh. So I believe that what Jesus desires for marriage is seen in God's original design. One man 
and one woman in a lifelong covenant relationships, sex reserved for that relationship alone, and any sexual activity outside of a man and a woman in marriage is outside of God's design and Jesus' desire. And any sexual desire outside that design must be denied. And I can't reconcile any variance from that in, in, in all the scripture. I think that what Jesus says in that Matthew 19, he also reiterates in other places when he speaks on marriage that every time that Jesus speaks on marriage, he goes back to God's original design. And anything outside of that throughout the whole compass of scripture is neither allowed or affirmed. And I know that we live in this culture where even really good and thoughtful people are, are saying that the Bible says things and these contexts are different and all this, and I just, I just don't see it. And I don't come up here with just this cultural blind idea of this just because I was raised a certain way. No, church, I, I've been digging into this for a really long time and wrestling with it and wrestling with it and wrestling with it. And, and so I don't come to this position calloused or casual or haphazardly. And if, if you land somewhere else, I'm, I'm glad to talk about why. Because I've had that conversation. And I know that position in our culture is difficult. And out of compassion, many of us want to land in a different spot. But even in compassion, we cannot compromise what God's word says. That when Jesus is asked about divorce, he's pointing to, his to God's original design that, that, hey, that God designed for a man and a woman, one man and one woman, to have the covenant of marriage. And inside that covenant, and what would, what would most seal that covenant would not just be the vows that they would say and the rings that they would exchange, but God gave us this gift called sex where the two become one flesh. And it is in that act that the two are becoming one flesh. And that was designed for a man and a woman in a lifetime to experience. And so when Jesus says, hey, I know that Moses permitted divorce, but then he reminded us, yeah, divorce is a part of our reality because sin is a part of our reality. That divorce wasn't a part of the original design, but a, the divorce is a part of the disruption of the design. Because sin disrupted everything, including God's desire for marriage. And the reason why divorce is a part of our reality is because sin's part of our reality. And whenever divorce happens, it's a direct result of sin. There's never been a single marriage that ever ended and it wasn't because of sin. Either one or both of the people involved. And Jesus is saying, like, like that's, that's a part of this reality now. But that's not what God originally wanted. What God originally wanted was for this thing to last a lifetime. What God originally wanted was for, for you to, to share that sexual relationship for, for one person. 
And that's why when, when he says if a man divorces his wife other than sexual immorality and marries another woman, he commits adultery with her, it's because any time we take into multiple people what God meant for one, it's breaking what God originally wanted. You with me? And now before you get all holy, and before you think, yeah, you tell them that, and before you think that, that it's, it's, it's gay people or people who had an affair or people who had premier or whatever, creating categories, let me just remind you, every single one of us have missed this. Every single one of us have missed this. You say, Matt, what? Because I will remind you there's another time when Jesus says, if you look at another person who isn't your spouse lustfully, you commit adultery in your own heart. So like we've all missed this. So we all don't just get to sit up here high and mighty and judge anybody. Because we've all missed this. We've all broken this. So before you start categorizing people into who's gotten this wrong and think that you somehow exist outside of the circle of wrong, let me just push you right back on in. All of us have missed this. Because even if you've never done the other things, I guarantee you, you've done the look at the lustfully. So you know what that means? That means we need to be very grateful for the gospel. We need to be very grateful for the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Because in him and only through him do we have a way forward. But the good news is, if in him and through him, we all have a way forward. No matter how far from the design we've drifted, no matter how, many, how broken we've we felt, no matter how nasty the divorce was, no matter how promiscuous we may have been at one season in our lives, that the grace and mercy and blood of Jesus has all given us a new shot to get it right the way God wanted it to be. And that's where I want us to just be reminded. See, you do realize that what Jesus came to do was... It, to restore the design. Like that's what God created us and he created this relationship and then sin entered the world and messed it all up. And then Jesus came back and he paid the penalty for what we had messed up. And now he is in process of restoring everything. And one day he will restore it to the way it was before the fall once and for all eternity. And there'll be no divorce and there'll be no disease and there'll be no brokenness and there'll be none of the things that scar us in this moment. But in the meantime, followers of Jesus, our job is to align ourselves with his desire and pursue what he wants. And so our job is we can't do anything about what we did. But we can walk in his power toward what he desires. That's good news, church. That's better news than y'all responding right now because some of y'all still mad at me. I can see it on your face and that's okay. And let me just go ahead and say, if you disagree with anything I've said, let's talk. I'm glad to talk. I'm glad to have that conversation. It won't be the first time. It won't be the last time. But you come at me with respect and grace like I have tonight, or I will not respond. You're a child of God. You were created in his image. That alone deserves dignity, and so am I. And I think maybe marriage is hanging on by a thread because we've been really silent about that reality. Or if we've really said it in a really dumb way. 
that's just left people more devastated and more hurt and more scarred. And if we're going to ever have a chance of saving marriage as God designed it, we have to let him define it. And our hearts have to be to follow it the way he designed it. And that kind of marriage, and see, here's, why is this so important? Because there's, there's more at play in marriage than we realize. Marriage is the picture that God gave us to point to the bigger picture of what he's trying to do in the world. That marriage is this relationship that serves as this mirror metaphor of what God is trying to do in the greater compass of all of the world. There's a reason why all throughout the New Testament it talks about Christ and his church, Christ and his bride. That he is our groom and we, is, we are his bride. Y'all, y'all read that in scripture? That like, so this, this marriage that God created in the beginning was meant to be a picture that points to the bigger picture. And we can't think if we start messing with the parts of the picture that it doesn't have ramification. And if the parts of the picture are unimportant or even interchangeable, it doesn't impact the whole of our theology. That there wasn't intention in how God designed the diversity and uniqueness of man and woman to be reflected in the diversity and uniqueness of Christ and his church. If you start messing with the picture, it starts to point to something different than God intended it to point to. That this relationship that he created, husband and wife, bride and groom, there's something bigger at play. And for us to achieve all in it that he desires for it, not only does it have to be Jesus-defined, it has to be Jesus-driven. Because the reality is... If we are not driven by the mindset of Jesus, what is required in marriage will be impossible. If we are not driven by the mindset of Jesus, what is required in marriage will be impossible. In marriage, you will have to be more like Jesus than in any other relationship ever for it to be healthy and hit God's target. There is no other place that you will have to be more like Christ than in your marriage if you want it to be healthy. Remember when Jesus said this, we looked at it a few weeks ago, Luke 9. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will save it. Uh, Their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father of the Holy Angel. Jesus says, remember, like, if you want to be my disciple... You have to take up your cross. You have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. In marriage, it will require a selfless, sacrificial spirit. If you want to be successful in marriage, if you want to be fruitful in marriage, if you want a marriage that lasts, no other place will require you to be more like Jesus because marriage, like none other, requires selfless sacrifice. That there are things, there are things that you're going to want that you can't have. And there are things that you can't have that you're going to want. That you're going to have to die to yourself daily. Nothing will ruin a marriage faster than making it all about you. Well, they don't make me happy. Ain't their job to make you happy. They don't do this and they don't do, and like if you go into it with that spirit, 
And maybe, maybe marriage is the best platform for our discipleship. Maybe there are things that happen in marriage that cause us to desire divorce, but really God wants to use them to deepen our discipleship, to grow us more in the likeness. I tell you what, I have made my wife more like Jesus over the last 19 years. She's had to be like Jesus to stay married to me this long. That if we're going to have the marriage that Jesus desires for us to have, then we're going to have to let ourselves be Jesus-driven. We're going to have to be driven with the mindset of Jesus. But also we're going to have to be Jesus-dependent. Because when you depend on marriage to give you something only Jesus can, you set your marriage up for failure. When you depend on your marriage to give you something only Jesus can, you set your marriage up for failure. You can experience fulfillment in marriage, but you don't get fulfillment from marriage. Marriage is not a requirement for you to be fulfilled. You know how I know that? Jesus wasn't married. Paul wasn't married. There were people that lived in the Bible that never got married that still experienced fulfillment. You can experience fulfillment in marriage, but you do not get fulfillment from marriage. And when you start depending on something to give you, when you start depending on something else to give you what only God can, you put a weight on that thing that will crush it. Oh, she completes me. No, she doesn't. Oh, he completes me. No, you know what? Two, when two incomplete people get married, guess what you get? Even deeper levels of incomplete. Don't expect somebody to make you whole because Jesus alone died to do that. And when you find your wholeness and your idea, see, Matthew, I mean, excuse me, John chapter 6 Verse 35 says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, when you get a little thirsty, some of the young people know what I mean by thirsty, and you try to quench that thirst in the wrong place, it will just continue to leave you empty. And Jesus says, you got to understand that there are so many things in this life that only I can give you that I am your supply and your source, not your spouse. And when I am your supply and your source, you can be for your spouse and to your spouse what they need you to be. But you let me be what I'm supposed to be in the meantime. That our best chance to have a Christ-centered life, a Christ-centered marriage, is to let Jesus define it. Let Jesus drive it. And be dependent on him in it. And when we drift from any of those principles, our marriage and the concept of it will hang on by a thread. I skipped over something that I need to go back to. Matthew chapter 19, Jesus talks about eunuchs. He said there are some people that are eunuchs because they're born that way. Some people are eunuchs because they're made that way by others, and some people are eunuchs out of allegiance to the kingdom of God. Maybe you don't know what a eunuch is, but a eunuch is someone who would have had a sexual desire that they would have been incapable of fulfilling. 
because of physical limitations that they would have experienced. And he said there are some people that they were born that way, some people were made that way by others, and some people make the decision to be eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. That in pursuit of Jesus, that there will be desires that we have that out of allegiance to him, we don't get to fulfill. That we have to deny ourselves in allegiance to the king. And that, that's the heart of what it means to follow Jesus. That there are going to be times when we have desires and we have things and we're going to look to fulfill them in an inappropriate way. And Jesus says the only way to have fulfillment in marriage is to follow it my way. Jesus says the only way to fulfill the sexual desire that God put in you that is not nasty, is not ugly, it is God-given and God-driven is to implement it in the right context, in the right place, and the only place for that is in the context of a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage. And now I know this is heavy stuff and I know that there's a lot of people in the room feeling different emotions. But as a follower of Jesus, our heart should be to pursue his desire. And I think he very clearly articulates what his desire is. And the good news is, not only did he die to make his design possible again, he gave us the Holy Spirit to give us the strength and wisdom and power to pursue it. And if there's anything that I want us to do is if you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to walk out of this room moving forward. Not broken, not hindered by your past, not walking out of here with shame and guilt over what was, but a reminder of the God in you that has made possible what can be. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage by downloading the Vintage Church app, where you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You'll also have access to our deeper podcast, which is a conversational deep dive into the message from the weekend. We hope you join us again soon.